What's going on, everybody? It's Derek, and you're listening to Gaming and Chill, episode 113. Last week, we talked a little bit about how to grow your Twitch, and that was pretty cool. But this week, I want to talk about something a little different, using the same kind of format of informal, impromptu, noteless sort of thing, because I got some good feedback about that. This week, I want to talk about console exclusivity and exclusivity as a whole but before we go all into that let's hear from our sponsor humble bundle thanks guys our partner for this week's podcast is humble bundle humble bundle is an online digital store that sells some of the most popular games from the most popular game developers but that's not all they also offer bundle deals that change weekly and monthly that allow you to pay a designated amount for a collection of games or ebooks that can often save you hundreds of dollars. Humble Bundle then donates portions of its proceeds to a featured charity. In addition to this awesome business model, they have also partnered with us so we get a small portion of any purchase or donation through their website. All you need to do is go to our website, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the Humble Bundle Partner logo and shop for any games of your heart's desire. Thanks, Humble Bundle. Back to you guys. Okay, so console exclusivity is not anything new. It goes back really seriously as far back as almost gaming itself. Of You had arcade games that you couldn't have in your everyday household... And then you had Sega, Nintendo, then you had PlayStation, and Xbox. But in the modern era, we only have really a few things. We've got the Nintendo Switch, the Nintendo 3DS, which has been uh, basically outmoded. You've got your Xbox One, you've got your PlayStation 4, and you've got your PC. Now, most of those controllers, including the Switch, all have roughly the same number of buttons. Four directional input pad, dual sticks, four input buttons, four shoulder buttons, L2, R3, L3, R4, R3. So your click stick buttons. All of them. All of them. From your Xbox, to your PlayStation, to your Switch. Now, the PC has the most buttons, but that's we're going to be getting into that. There, So, here's my problem with exclusivity. Console exclusivity for the moment. There is no game that can play on PlayStation that can't play on Xbox that can't play on PC, right? There's no game on Xbox that can play on, that can't play on PC or PS4. Now, Xbox has done the best thing of a lot of games do have cross-compatibility, uh, cross so PC and Xbox. But the biggest reason why developers do this money. Pure and simple. Money. So, with PlayStation, you've got Spider-Man, God of War. 
Those games can play on every other console, including PC. But they choose not to. Why? It forces you to buy a PS4 if you really, really, really want to play Spider-Man or God of War. So they're basically forcing you to spend $500 to play a couple games that you can't play on Xbox. Same goes with, you know, Xbox. They're not innocent. Gears of War, Halo, they're not innocent either. It's basically all about making you spend that extra money. However, that doesn't always work. Because I know several people who have an Xbox, but don't have a PS4. They would love to play some of the PS4 exclusive games. But, they're not going to spend that money to get a game console for one or two games. So they'll just go without. So instead of spending, you know, 60 bucks on a game, they can't. They won't. And that's fine. That's that's fiscal responsibility. But a game developer has to understand something. It's basically kind of screw themselves. Okay? Because they're not the the person is not spending 500 to get a console in a game or they're not spending $60 to get a game. They're just not giving them that money. So they're not making anything on that game from that person. Whereas they could potentially make at least 60 off that person if they offered cross-platform basically. Multi-platform, I should say. So instead of offering Spider-Man on Xbox and potentially making more money, they hold it basically hostage on PS4. That's not smart. Now, it may seem smart of like, oh, we're Sony, we're going to make a Spider-Man game because it's not... because Sony has always basically done Spider-Man. That sounds great and all, but you're limiting your market. You are 1,000% limiting that market to a certain window of people. Which I guess if you want to be hoity-toity and elitist, go for it. But if you want to do what's best for games, gaming economy... Offer it on multiple platforms. No one I've ever met has ever went, Oh my god, this game is offered on too many platforms. No one. No one has had that complaint. And this recently came up with Steam and the Epic Game Launcher. Offering games on Epic only for exclusivity for a little while... It's dumb. It hurts your first initial sales. And truthfully, it kind of hurts your sales as a whole. So take, for example, Borderlands 3. It's going to be a, a uh, Epic Games exclusive for a little while. 
for almost a good six, seven months. That's going to hurt sales numbers. Because I know so many people who are refusing to get it on Epic. And I don't blame them. To not offer a game on Steam, truthfully, is kind of a bad tactic now. Especially since creating an Epic account is having to create another account. The modern person today has a ton of accounts from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram to your LinkedIn to your Indeed to your YouTube to your anything, basically. And having a Steam account. That's why I don't like the Bethesda launcher. It's, well, other than the fact it's terrible. But offering something only on one launcher is a terrible idea. Because I'm probably not going to pick up Borderlands 3. It's on Epic. I have all of my other games on Steam. When you add a barrier of inconvenience to a gamer... You have lost them. That sounds really, really lazy if I just don't want to load this. But here's the thing. When games are 50, 60, 70 gigs sometimes. And you've got multiple games like that. Installing a launcher just to launch one or two games. When you've got Steam that can launch 98% of your game library. I'm sorry, that's just... That's just not working. And then, when you have it exclusive for a little while, people forget it. People forget that your game launched. Because, well, on PC it was exclusive to this, and I'm an exclusive PC player, so that's out of your mind. Unless you really want to go out and get get an Epic account, which is fine. Go for it. Do it. Do you... But, to the people who don't want to do that, all you're doing is removing it from their memory. A game that came out six months ago might be forgotten. Is easily forgotten. I mean, other than some AAA titles, name some titles from six months ago. Name some titles from a year ago. You can't. Well, maybe you can't. I can't. Maybe. So the only things I can think of is like... Red Dead... Fallout 76? You know. But think about the game drop-off. Think about that as a whole. So, if Steam and Epic use the same game servers... You run the risk of everybody on Epic already having beat the game, played the game, grinded out the game, and quitting the game. That hurts your multiplayer economy. That absolutely hurts matchmaking. Go into a game now, and you'll sometimes a game that's six months old. That was not a triple A title, but did have online. Can you find very many people playing? 
I loaded up Splatoon, which is a still pretty active game, but still waiting for matchmaking still takes a little bit, because people stopped playing it. That's not to say it'll never live again, but it hurts the game economy. And then, if people can't find a game to play with somebody, why would they want to continue playing it? When one of the major core things of Borderlands is playing with your friends. So if multiplayer starts to fail, because six months of really not having it in your, in your active mind, because here's the thing. Unless you have Epic, and you're actively in tune with the game economy, you're not going to know Borderlands 3 for six months. So when it finally hits Steam, it'll be like, oh, cool, awesome. And then you'll notice that there may be not be as many multiplayer. Yes, it'll have a resurgence, but those first quarter numbers are really what helps a company. When you split it across two different, three different quarters, really, your numbers don't look as impressive. When you take games that have launched across PC, Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch, which is few games, so let's minus the Switch out. You have a lot more numbers than, well, we launched it on PlayStation. And only PlayStation. Your numbers look better when you offer it on more systems. Now, there are some caveats to this. My belief is that if your game utterly, utterly requires to the core of its game, requires certain features that are only offered on a certain console, looking at you, Nintendo Switch, because the Xbox and PlayStation controllers are basically the same. No game has utterly required the touchpad on the PlayStation controller. I don't think I've ever touched it except for, like, let me open a menu that I could have opened using a different button. Fair. The Switch has a little bit more going for it. It has motion control, IR, it has those things. So, unless the game utterly requires those things, offered on multiple platforms, even Zelda, even Mario, does not require motion control does not require the two separate Joy-Cons at all. At all. And if there's no way to program it without it, that's fine. Like, even look, even Twilight Princess, which was a Wii and GameCube exclusive, they just removed the motion controls, which is fine. But offer it on multiple consoles and you'll help people. Because you don't want to isolate your gaming community. The only reason why it should be offered on an exclusive is because 
it's almost proprietary. It requires that technology. A lot of the Pokemon games up until basically the Switch, well, they needed you to be able to trade between consoles and be able to take it on the go. And that was the point of the games, to take it on the go and meet new people. And with the Switch, that works. That's awesome. The number of people you'll meet playing Pokemon will increase. So, I can agree with it being on Switch, and Switch alone, that ability to travel with it makes a huge difference. Because that was the original point of the game. But Mario? I'm sorry, I'm not going to go travel outside and go see someone playing Mario and go, Hey, we're friends now! Because there's nothing that they're doing in their game that affects my game. Pokemon, we can go, hey, let's trade. Okay. Boom. You've moved on with your life. Console exclusivity is not a good thing. It does not make the publishers any better. It does not make sales numbers better. It doesn't. And that sucks. Now, moving on to the other exclusivity thing that affects a lot of us here at Gaming and Chill is streaming exclusivity. It sucks because, well... Unless it's basically on Netflix, it's a crapshoot of whether or not somebody has it. I am very, very, very blessed in the fact that I have Verve, Rooster Teeth, I have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. And Verve is Crunchyroll and everything like that. So I have all basically all of them. But... When you have something that's only on this. So, Netflix, looking at you. I love you. But, offering your IP on a different streaming site isn't that bad. You can still have your little Netflix thing. Created by Netflix, you're a producing company now. So, before Stranger Things. Netflix. Dun! And then you continue to play it on Hulu. People still know it was produced by Netflix. You are the producer. It's just like Universal or Trifilm. I think there there were one. Or, you know, Legendary. Or Liongate. You're the producer. You could have your little slate and then move on with your life. People still know... Stranger Things is on Netflix and was created by Netflix. But they can watch it on their console. They can watch it on Hulu. Or Amazon. I think there should be basically two camps. Merge Amazon Prime, Hulu, and Netflix. And then keep your, your anime streaming. Because not everybody who's super into anime is also, you know, into all the other stuff. And everybody who's into the other stuff may not be into anime. So keep them separately. That's fine. Pay for what people want. 
But the anime streaming site is honestly, if not, it's probably just about as worse. Oh, this is, this anime is made by this company, so this company only has the streaming right. I'm sorry, I don't want to create another account just to watch this anime. I just won't watch it, or yo-ho-ho, ho, it's to the bay we go. Which I do not condone, which is terrible to have to do. Because, I'm sorry, I'm not signing up for another monthly streaming site. I'm sorry, for watching one anime? No. No. I am not doing that. That's stupid. That's dumb. That's not fiscally responsible. At all. Why would I sign up to, let's go to this, this one, let's go to this streaming site just to watch one season of, a, of an anime? No thanks. I'm good. I'll pass. Have fun with that. I'll watch it later. I'll buy it down the road. I'll see reviews and go, was it worth buying? Yes. Let's buy it. I'm sorry. Verve is actually doing a really good job in consolidating all of that. They've got Crunchyroll, they've got High, they've got Rooster Teeth stuff. They've got a bunch of stuff all together. But we need to get Verve and Funimation to play nice again. They were for a little while. And then Funimation was like, nope, we're out. And then Funimation's been having some struggles of their own. Exclusivity hurts the economy. Because, let's face it, Hulu is not any different from Netflix. It's not. It's really not. Hulu is not any different than Amazon. Again, it's just not. They are all the same, just a different name. There's Hulu exclusives, there's Netflix exclusives, there's Amazon exclusives. If you want to watch one from each one, you have to pay for each one each month. On top of, maybe you have a PlayStation, maybe you have an Xbox. Cool. Neat. There's your, four, there's your huge monthly bills, basically. If you combine them and you basically say... Hey, you know what? Here's Stranger Things on Hulu. Here's Stranger Things on Amazon. Whatever you have, we'll have it. Easy. You've basically made your economy better. And say, hey, if Netflix wants to produce it, and say Netflix wants to sell it to Amazon. Hey, Amazon, we'll, we'll sell you Stranger Things to play on your streaming site. Done. Boom. They're still making money. But when you think about the number of people who don't have Netflix, so four, when they see Stranger Things, man, I've heard good things about it. I don't really feel like buying a new, a new a Netflix account. Okay. You're limiting your market. They already have a Amazon account. If they were able to watch it on Amazon, they're still watching the content. It makes sense to have cross-continuity, basically. It makes it so much better. You don't have to have anything separate, in my opinion. And I get the hubris of wanting it, but that's just that. Hubris. 
offer your stuff on multiple platforms, and more people consume your media. That's why we at this podcast don't say, we're only Google Play. We understand, not a lot of people use Google Play, but the people who do, use it. It's like that. So we offer it on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and Google Play. It makes sense. It makes sense to have it across all. Why limit the market to one group when you could have all three? There's nothing that iTunes does different than Google Play that does something different from SoundCloud. just doesn't. So, my thought is just offer things across multiple forms of media. It makes much more sense. More people are able to consume your media. And you're not nickeling and diming people. Because that's all that happens. Oop, gotta pay for this. Oop, gotta pay for this. Oop, gotta pay for this. What'd you spend this month? Well, I didn't eat out this month, but I still spent 60 bucks on streaming stuff. Why? Well, I really wanted to watch Stranger Things and Man in a High Castle and The Runaways. Oh, shoot. It sucks. But when you offer it across all, it makes bad sense. And with gaming, there's no reason that Zelda can't be on PC. Bluetooth controller? Got it. Your mouse and keyboard? It works. Many, many, many games are learning that. Monster Hunter World is one of the first that I can really think of that used to be a console exclusive and then went across all three of the main consoles, PlayStation, Xbox, and PC, that is. And they're actually much better for it. They actually have a much bigger audience than they did previously. It helps grow. So that's my thought is just think about it. And tweet at game companies going, hey, offer across all, you dinguses. It sucks when I can't play Spider-Man because I don't want to spend $400 to $500 on a console for one game. I don't want to have to spend so much money just to enjoy one game. Plus, it opens up your multiplayer economy. If I can go, hey, I'm getting Division 2. I don't have to go, but which system? I want to play with other people. Because if I buy it on Xbox and all my other friends are on PlayStation, well, I'm screwed. If I buy it on PlayStation, then to find out, oh, all my friends got Xbox, I'm screwed. If I get it on PC, I'm screwed. If you have it across all, love it. If Steam made a console and was like, all of your Steam games are now in a console. Your Steam library transfers over. I'd be like, sold. I'd buy one. Because then I could go and say, hey, Doug, go buy Monster Hunter World on Steam. Boom. I have the same I have the same saves, everything. I can carry it over into a console experience because Doug doesn't have a strong PC. I do. I could play it on PC and he could play it on console. Cross platform. Because it's the same servers. You're just one you're playing with a, a 
uh, a mouse and keyboard when you're playing with the controller. It makes sense. So, I would love that. And yes, I know there's a Steam link, but it basically is like, it, I don't know that it does that well. I have to look into it. But offer a console version of something. Especially, especially PC games. Because it sucks not being able to play it on my PC, which I like. And being like, well, all my other friends are on consoles, so I'm going to have to get it on a console. It sucks. But that's all I'm saying is, think about those th that thing and talk about it. Open a conversation about why exclusivity is not a good thing. And if you have any reasons why exclusivity is a good thing, I'd like to hear it. I know there has to be some arguments for it, but I can't think of it all on my own. That's why I want this to be a conversation with you. Why do you think that exclusivity is a good thing? If you do, I want this to be a conversation. I know this is a little bit of a shorter episode, but it's something that I was talking about this week with some of my friends and thought this would be a good idea to talk about for the podcast of why exclusivity in gaming and anime and a lot of things just doesn't work. It's not, well, it works. It's just not a good idea, I should say. So if you liked this episode, please let us know in the comments. Leave a review. Tell your friends. We appreciate when everybody does that. Last episode we did really well was a little bit different than we've, we've done. But I think it did really well. And we also have a Patreon if you'd like to support us and help us do what we do best. Talk about stupid video games. <laughs> um, I do, I'm hoping, I do, I do have, and I want to announce that I have, I have endgame tickets. So I'm going to go see that. And then the new Hellboy comes out in six days. So I'm going to go see that. We'll be talking about Hellboy. Oh, we will be talking about Hellboy. Um, so until next week, think about exclusivity, talk to your friends about it, share this episode with your friends, and I will see you on the next episode of Gaming and Chill. Have a good one. Thanks, guys, and thank you to all of our listeners out there, because we really couldn't do it without you. We hope you enjoyed this week's Gaming and Chill podcast. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, follow us on social media, or learn how to support the podcast directly, check us out at www.gamingandchillpodcast.com. Also, be sure to stay up to date with Gaming and Chill by following us on Twitter at at gaming underscore in underscore chill. Yes, that is gaming underscore in as in Nancy underscore chill. You can also find links to the articles, games, and videos mentioned in this podcast in the description below. Thanks again for watching, and until next time...